1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. James Rapine. My co-host will be joining you a little bit later. He's still down at Paul Brown Stadium as I record this, and we'll hear from him in segments two and three of the show. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So as I mentioned, James is still down at Paul Brown Stadium covering the Bengal scrimmage. And that's what we're going to talk about to start the show. I'm going to tell you what I heard as I listened to Dan Horde and Dave Lapham on the radio. Some themes from the practice that stood out to me. Where some players showed up in some unexpected places with some unexpected units? Who's getting some reps with the first team that you're not necessarily expecting to hear? Getting throws from Joe Burrow, for example. We'll get into that to start the show and then James will bring you his notes from his live observation of the scrimmage as he was one of the lucky few that was able to view that scrimmage firsthand He's also currently participating in the press conferences, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, Lou Anarumo, all speaking to the media this evening, and he will update you on the most interesting things those guys had to say. But let's get started by talking about the scrimmage itself, my observations, who didn't play, who played, how did Joe Burrow play? That's the biggest question on everybody's mind, so let's get into that first. By Zach Taylor's red zone plus scoring system today, the defense won the scrimmage. Joe Burrow had a fourth and goal from the 10-yard line and was forced to dump it off quickly to rookie running back from the XFL, Jacques Patrick, but he was tackled at the 6-yard line, unable to get all the way into the end zone. After the scrimmage, Taylor and Burrow both commented that there was just one more guy coming on the blitz and they had blockers for and Joe had to get rid of the ball hot. That happens sometimes and that was a play that was going to decide the scrimmage one way or the other. If the offense had settled for a field goal in that spot, the defense wins the scrimmage using Zach Taylor's rules, which award four points to the defense and three points to the offense when they're held to a field goal in this particular red zone plus drill. Now, the red zone plus part of the scrimmage wasn't all the Bengals did. That's just all that counted for the Zach Taylor scoring system. Overall, on the night, Ben Baby's stat line from ESPN for Joe Burrow as he was in attendance 19 of 34 for 200 yards, a touchdown, and maybe one interception, although the play was described as featuring possible pass interference from Von Bell, who ran over the intended target Mike Thomas before Jesse Bates came down with the interception. Another play might have been a touchdown to Tyler Boyd, but it was called a sack on the field. The throw didn't end up counting in the end, so in the end it was just one touchdown to Tyler Boyd. But outside of the overall stat line, really noteworthy for me in this scrimmage was that a lot of targets went to the tight ends. I think CJ Uzama had six or seven targets and Drew Sample had three or four more. Those guys comprising about a third of Joe Burrow's total pass attempts. That's a lot of targets for the tight ends that I don't think that most of us were expecting to be a very key featured part of this offense. Of course, That could be because John Ross, A.J. Green aren't playing, so their wide receiver skill is a little bit lower than it will be when those guys are out there. Speaking of guys not playing, the total list of non-participants from notable players in this practice, A.J. Green was not a participant. He was hoping to play, according to all reporters down at the stadium, but was not given that opportunity. Carlos Dunlap didn't dress. Carl Lawson didn't dress. Joe Mixon was at the scrimmage, which is a positive sign as he hasn't been seen at practice for a few days now, but didn't play. And there is no definite timeline for his return to practice, according to head coach Zach Taylor, as he's recovering from some migraines. But it's still good to see that Joe Mixon was out there on the field with his teammates going through a few light conditioning drills before the scrimmage commenced. John Ross was also present. He had his left elbow in a heavier brace. And he didn't participate in the scrimmage, but after the scrimmage, Zach Taylor was asked if that was just a precautionary thing, and he said that yes, it sure was. Some other notes from the scrimmage, and, and just a note here, the way that the scrimmage is covered, it's a lot harder to find out what's going on on the defensive side of the ball because when Dan Hord is announcing it on 700 WLW in Cincinnati, he's talking about what the offense is doing. The offense is always driving the action. Right in a football game, and if you're doing play-by-play, it's largely dictated by what the offense does, and then if the defense reacts, the defense reacts and gets mentioned. That's great. So largely you hear about who's on the field for the offense at a given time. And so what I noticed was that early, all of the wide receivers were getting in there with the number ones. All of them had a chance to catch passes from Joe Burrow with guys like Demarcus Lodge, Mike Thomas, and Stanley Morgan, all contributing with Joe Burrow, the passer. So all those guys were out there with the number ones as they're mixing receivers up with A.J. Green and John Ross out. Sounds like T. Higgins had a few nearly great catches along the sideline too, but couldn't quite get his feet down. That'll be something worth watching. It was something that I wish I could have seen to see how close it was. Some other notes that we did here, Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither started at linebacker with the second team, but Logan Wilson got in with the first team eventually and came down with a nice pass breakup on a pass intended for Mike Thomas from Joe Burrow. And speaking of the backups with the linebackers playing with the backups, Ryan Finley did not have a great day. He had a couple balls that could have been picked, one ball that did get picked, but he did end up throwing one nice touchdown at one point to Scotty Washington. It sounds like it was a pretty deep play as well. But largely, it was a day that the defense won. And a couple other defensive notes, Lou Anarumo pointing out that he was very happy with the pass rush. The defensive backs got a lot of hands on footballs that were thrown their way. Credit the defense for that. Tony Brown had a couple balls that he could have intercepted, didn't quite come down with. And overall, good day for the defense. A lot to learn from for Joe Burrow. And one hilarious quote from Joe Burrow's press conference where he told the media that he was lobbying to get hit in a Bengals practice because he is a little concerned that the first time he'll be hit is in week one against the Chargers. But as Dan Horde pointed out, he's just going to have to wait. And we'll see how that goes in week one. You might have also noticed that I didn't talk about the running game a whole lot because there wasn't a whole lot of running game to talk about. There was one big run for Giovanni Bernard where the point of attack got plugged up and he bounced it outside. There was poor contain, according to Dave Lapham, and he went for about a 15-yard gain or so. But that was it. Not a whole lot of running you can do when you're playing thump in your scrimmage or wasn't live tackling in this portion of the practice, which is worth noting. Makes it hard to run the ball. Made it very one-dimensional, I thought. Also, Joe Mixon wasn't out there. So a lot of important players missing for the offense. And you take some positive news for the defense because I think that this offense has a lot of weapons and should be pretty okay. And where the defense should be winning is in the defensive trenches. And hey, if the cornerbacks and safeties are getting their hands to footballs, that's fantastic news. Coming up next, James brings you his firsthand observations of what went down at Paul Brown Stadium tonight. And he'll also catch you up on what the coaches and Joe Burrow had to say in their press conferences after the scrimmage. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. And as we've always talked about with rockauto.com, There are a few things that make it just absolutely a fantastic website for you whenever you need any parts for your car. For one, it saves you the time and headache of going down to the chain store where you have to answer what make, what model, what tier of trim did you get on your vehicle. Instead, you just look it up yourself on your own computer. It makes it so easy. On top of that, you don't spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same exact part as a chain store or new car dealership. You don't have to deal with markups because you're a do-it-yourselfer because rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. If you like supporting family businesses, RockAuto's Auto's right up your alley. They've been doing it for 20 years as a family. They have everything you need from engine control modules to brake parts to taillights to motor oil and even new carpets for your vehicle. Whatever you need, you can get in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What up, Bengals fans? Like Jake said, I'm James Rapine. I'm with you for the next couple of segments here. And I, I was at Paul Brown Stadium tonight. And before we dive into the football stuff or anything like that and injuries and get my take on all of that, just want to say it was really, really good to have football back. It, it feels like it was forever. I didn't know if it was going to be the case. When I replaced Joe Goodberry and and joined Jake here on this podcast, I didn't know if we'd get football this year. And the fact that I was able to cover a scrimmage uh, was something that I I certainly did not take for granted. So one, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, tuning in and supporting and asking questions weekly and and everything that you're you're doing and, and hopefully continue to do throughout this year. And football is back. So let's dive into it. Let's start with number nine. Look, Joe Burrow is, and, and, and I, I think it, it goes without saying, but, you know, a lot of us haven't seen him in person. This is really my first time in a game-like setting because even scrimmage number one was on the practice field and it was just a lot of 11, 11 on 11. This is the first game-like setting I've seen Joe Burrow in in person where you're going to the sidelines, you know, you're alternating series, in, in you know, and in, in that's what you're doing. And to me... The thing that stood out the most was his athleticism, was his ability. And and again, you know this from the Georgia highlight back at LSU where he hits Justin Jefferson after he spins out of a sack and he throws it on the run. Like we've seen those plays, but watching it in person, he's extremely quick, (laughs) extremely quick for his size. It's not like this is a, you know, Kyler Murray. And he's not as fast as Kyler Murray, but that's he's just really quick. He's elusive. He's got really good pocket presence. And all of that was really fun to see in person. And the the funny part about Joe Burrow tonight was the fact that he started 0 for 3. And you're just like, there was a drop in there, and then there was an off-target pass, and then I think he threw one away. And you're like, man, what's, what's going on? And there's been multiple times throughout training camp where it's like, wow, that's multiple incompletes. What's going on? Well, Joe then completed his next nine passes because that's how he responds. And uh, I, I, he got praised by Zach Taylor after, afterwards and uh, Dave Lapham certainly praised him. And, and Burrow didn't finish great on Sunday night. He completed 19 of 33 passes a touchdown and then A pick that you could say was a pick or wasn't when I wrote for AllBengals.com and I I didn't count it as a pick, so I'm not going to here. Uh, It was basically either defensive pass interference or an incomplete or a pick, and it was really hard to tell. Um, Either way, Jesse Bates was the one around the ball. So that being said, I, I think Burrow was pretty solid on Sunday night. Not great, but certainly solid, and his athleticism is what stood out. And honestly, and I know Jake mentioned some of this in the first segment, but you're talking about a guy in Burrow, and he wasn't going up against all of the ones, but pretty much the most of the ones on the Bengals in that defense, the the number one linebackers, uh, the number one safeties. You had guys out there uh, on that defensive line. Sam Hubbard was really the, the top-edge rusher with Carl Lawson and, and Carlos Dunlap out. But the defensive line, I mean, Mike Daniels was in there some, DJ Reader was in there some, not a ton, but in there. And Joe Burrow was rolling with the twos, and most of the twos were in and out. Like, Auden Tate didn't play on Sunday night, not because he was injured, I think because we knew what happened in scrimmage number one, where Burrow found Tate multiple times, and it's like, well, good luck. You know, and and who knows what it was or what, what the reason was, but... I would assume it was that. He was wearing his pads, as was John Ross, uh, along with a big elbow, I would say, covering, protector. Zach Taylor, I asked him about it afterwards, and he said, oh, it was just precautionary. But Joe Burrow didn't have Joe Mixon or A.J. Green or John Ross or Auden Tate, who obviously he has a great rapport with already. He didn't even have Giovanni Bernard for more than a couple of plays. And yet he was moving the offense. He was completing a bunch of passes. He found Uzama, I believe, four times on the night. Uh, drew Sample three times. And, and there were drops on drops on drops. And so I think about it like, okay, well, if you put those first team wide receivers in there, what's going to happen? And I think that's the difference here. And Joe didn't seem too concerned about not being able to get reps with A.J. Green or anything like that. They They've ran... Uh, full-speed routes. They just haven't done a lot of 11-on-11 11 11 together. So I'm sure they're going to try to get some in between now and the start of the year. But am I going to knock the Bengals coaching staff? I thought about that, in, in my initial reaction was, AJ wanted reps and you didn't give them to him. But am I really going to knock this coaching staff for not playing a guy in a scrimmage that has missed 29 of a possible 64 games over the past four seasons, a guy that missed all of last year and hasn't played in a game that mattered in any game, actually, since December 2nd, 2018. No, I'm not going to knock them for that. And, and so I look at this offense and I, th- I see 19 of 33 and he's throwing to T. Higgins, who is clearly still getting his feet wet, had a, I believe he had a drop. Uh, Drew Sample had one, Oh, it was a perfect back shoulder throw in the end zone, should have been a touchdown. And it was defended well, By, I believe it was Tony Brown, who was all over tonight, by the way. Tony Brown looked good. Had a couple pass breakups, but he was in on on that one with Sample. I believe he knocked it away as Sample went to catch it. And and it was one of those where Sample was jumping up and turning in midair. Really tough play. Uh, But it was technically, I think, probably technically a drop because it hit him in the hands first. But there was a lot of those. A lot of those. And so... That should be cleaned up when you have A.J. Green out there and you have John Ross and Tyler Boyd as your one through three, and that's who the one through three is. Uh, and then uh, obviously Higgins would be in the mix, but I think Tate's ahead of Higgins right now. I don't even think it's close. Watching Higgins on Sunday night, and not that it's a knock on him, but like if you need a play week one, who are you going to, 85 or 19? I'd say 19. One's a rookie who's probably – Really try to keep his head above water right now. And we'll dive into the defense and some rookies on that end. But I, I want to stick with offense here in this segment because really I, I think this offense looks pretty damn good. Burrow almost took twos and threes and beat that defense. And I get the defense didn't have all of its ones and they couldn't hit him. They didn't go live, which I think is a concern, but more of a concern for the defense than the offense. So, to me, it wasn't as flashy as scrimmage number one for Bro. The offense didn't win, as you heard Jake say. The defense was victorious on Sunday night. At the same time, it was a pretty good effort. I thought Jonah Williams blocked his ass off and really went at it with Sam Hubbard. Hubbard got the best of him a couple times, and Jonah held his own. I thought Bobby Hart actually had some pretty good reps. Did give up a sack that I counted, Um, but but no f- false starts. This scrimmage, for not and not just for heart for the offensive line. I didn't notice any, and I may be off on that, but I'm pretty sure there weren't any, which is a big difference from just uh less than two weeks ago uh, in that first scrimmage. So you know, last Friday. So I think that this is this was a step in the right direction in, in a, a multitude of ways. In another one, and this is a guy. I actually went back and read my tweets from 2016. Mike Thomas, I loved him coming out of Southern Miss. And when the Bengals drafted Cody Core, I questioned it. (laughs) I did. And look, we all get our rights and we all have our wrongs in the draft. And there were a lot of people that that, that I've vouched for and thought were going to be good. I thought Corey Coleman was going to be really good in that draft too. And he's clinging to an NFL job with New York. Mike Thomas has been impressive. Had three more catches for, I believe it was 36 or so yards on Sunday, uh, which tied for the team lead. I'm pretty sure Uzama, get this, Uzama, Boyd, Michael, Th- or Mike Thomas, and Drew Sample all had three receptions apiece. The only one of those four guys that is going to be top five, maybe top six on this team in receptions, is Tyler Boyd. The rest of those guys are compliments, and that's how deep this pass catching group is. So my my biggest takeaways from an offensive perspective, Joe Burrow's athleticism it looks better live, and again, camp was different, in seeing it was different than than seeing it in a game setting, and and I want want to emphasize that because obviously I've seen Joe Burrow live for two weeks. But this was different. It was a game setting. Uh, Even though they weren't live and hitting him, they were getting close. And it just felt different, I think, partially because it was in Paul Brown Stadium. And I've seen a lot of quarterbacks play at Paul Brown Stadium. And and you could kind of judge it a little better than from 150 yards away or whatever it is half the time during camp. And that's not a knock. I get what's going on. It's just the reality. It's harder to tell. And it was easier to tell where we were sitting at, at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday night. So two takeaways. Bros athleticism and then this pass catching group, man. Once these guys come back, it is deep. It is deep. It is deep. And uh, I'm excited to see it. So let's switch gears. Let's continue with the defense next, right here on the lockdown Bengals podcast.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So the defense won the scrimmage, and rightfully so. They were able to disrupt Burrow a lot of the night. They were able to get him to roll out, step up, move over, slide. And that's why I talked about his athleticism, well, How do you think I noticed that? And it was because they got pressure on him early, often, and and semi-regularly. And that's probably my one disappointment of the night is I didn't get to see any of the second-string offensive line go in there with that first team and and, and show what they could do. I don't recall Fred Johnson ever getting getting any right tackle reps with the first team. It was all Bobby Hart from what I saw. Xavier Suofilo, right guard. Like, that was it. And I don't really like that. I, I want some of those other guys to kind of push them. And it doesn't seem like that's good. That's the, the case or was the case from what I saw. And I wasn't paying attention every single snap to the offensive line, right? But they, they were getting pressure on Burrow. So let's flip it then. If Sam Hubbard is your third best pass rusher, and that's probably about right, third or fourth, right? It's a pretty good place to be because he was going at it with Jonah. He was going at it with Hart. And he was putting pressure on Bro throughout the night. And so if you have him and you have Carl Lawson and you have Carlos Dunlap, you feel pretty damn good about your edge rushers. I, at least I do. And, and then you obviously Geno Atkins and G.J. Reader on the inside. Mike Daniels kind of having his, his old role, like a, a reduced version of his old role in Green Bay, um, that nose tackle role where he can get after it a bit. And then another guy I like. And a guy I know Jake likes. And we'll probably talk about him this week, potentially. Andrew Brown. He continues to be pretty damn steady, man. I would play him inside some. I think he's a pretty good interior D lineman. And he, he could play end snaps for you if you need. Hopefully, you don't need him to, given what you have on this team. But Hubbard and Brown impressed me. And then you move to the, the second level. Of this defense. Jermaine Pratt. I, I think we've talked about it on the pod. Probably multiple times. But it's Josh Bynes and Jermaine Pratt. It, it Those are the starters. I'm very confident after watching Pratt tonight. Because again. I had a different vantage point. I was up, up higher. You could watch. And you saw 57 run. And move. And cover. And be around the ball. And I'm like oh, okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't have told you that. From my other vantage point during camp and during practices, because it's just it's so far. Even when they're on the field in front of you, you're 50 yards away, and so on Sunday, I was able to see. Okay, you know they were still 50 yards away, or sometimes more than that, but I was higher, and that makes a huge difference. And Pratt looked athletic. Like I said, he was around the ball a lot. He did start, uh, which. I don't know if I'm allowed to report or not, but I just did. Um, he did start with that first team, and so I think it's going to be him and Bynes, and it should be. I, I love that because what it does is is you have Bynes, who's kind of a, a stopgap, let's call it what it is, um, and then a guy in Pratt who by year three, you know, he, this year he kind of steps into his own. By year three, he can kind of lead that locker room. And I will say I, I noticed flashes from both Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither. Here's a couple plays. I noticed Logan Wilson getting his hands on a couple passes, which was good. And uh, that, that's not Joe Burrow passes. Ryan Finley passes. And, and then uh, the same goes for Tony Brown, by the way, when I talked about him having nearly a couple interceptions. It was, that was with uh, second team D versus second team O. And then, the like I said, Logan Wilson did that, uh, had a couple of batted passes. And then the other thing was Akeem Davis Gaither physical couple big hits all right and this was not a tackling drill (laughs) this is not a tackling scrimmage they were not live this was thump and he thumped a couple people i think he got a guard and i'm trying to think who would it would have been but there was a pulling guard and davis gaither and he was trying to block 59 and davis gaither just boom laid into him and that's the type of stuff That you want to see from these guys. Because when I think of Davis Gaither's scouting report, what do you think? Athletic, a little light, but not afraid to deliver a super big hit if he needs to. Logan Wilson, what is it? Super athletic, runs like a safety, but weighs 245 like a linebacker. Should be able to cover. And he looked it like these guys, the speed is there. At linebacker for the Bengals now, and that's that's a good spot to be in because hopefully, the and there might take some time, but hopefully these two can pick it up. So I was encouraged by that, but here's the downside to all of that. Everything I just said about the linebacker position, outside of really Josh Bynes. we didn't see him tackle, we didn't see him tackle, and I'm really not worried about Jermaine Pratt. Heck, Jake asked Jake about Pratt's vice grip hands. I mean, he's in love with those vice grip pants that Jermaine Pratt has. It goes on and on and on about him, uh, but it's going to help him tackle. Right. But I would have loved Logan Wilson to be able to, ta- for him to be able to tackle for A- Akeem Davis Gaither to be able to hit someone and really bleep and hit someone. Heck, I would have loved Von Bell who's been dying to hit people and they've had live sessions during camp, but not, you know, not in this type of setting. Von Bell has been dying to hit people. You could tell. And, uh, and so I, I wish that would have happened. I think that's big for the, the linebackers and big for the defense to get that experience, and they didn't. And so now you're going to ask Akeem Davis-Gather week one to guard Austin Eckler out of the backfield or Logan Wilson to guard Austin Eckler out of the backfield or even a Jermaine Pratt or Josh Bynes. Like that's very tough. That's a very tough ask to do, and uh, it's, it's just – it's something that stinks – because that's what a lot of a lot of these rookies are going through, and it's just the reality. Because of COVID, with no joint practices, no preseason games, you're not going to be able to tackle much. And they they didn't on during the scrimmage. I almost would have rather them split it here, where you, you maybe you let the second team tackle, and you get those rookies in there, right, and and get them some some reps tackling. How, how does Jock Patrick do the the running back, the, the CFL running back went to Florida State with Auden Tate. They were roommates by the way. Found that out this week. What, what does Patrick do when he meets Akeem Davis Gaither in the hole? Does ADG win or does Patrick win? What about Samaj P. Ryan? I I don't know. And so that that's the the downside. Overall though, the defla- defense Played well. I think Jesse Bates is going to have a huge freaking year. I do. I think he's going to just be set up for success with Von Bell. We'll see. Uh, Didn't notice William Jackson much, which probably good since he's a corner. Which again, probably good. Uh, Only corner that really, really stood out was Tony Brown, and that's because he had a couple passes defensed and a couple dropped interceptions. However, you want to say it. Right? If you want to be positive, you say passes defensed. If you want to be negative, you say dropped interceptions i do think he uh he helped his case to make the final 53-man roster on sunday though and, and overall i thought it was a productive scrimmage i was bummed aj green didn't play bummed ross wasn't out there totally understand it but you know there's certainly question marks there with both guys and, and you know what if i'm zach taylor you shove those two guys because you know you they're going to be big playmakers if they're healthy Ross and Green have played a total of 8 games together since Ross was drafted. Think about that. That's insane. So yeah, keep him healthy. I get it. The other thing is Mixon. And Mixon went through some individual drills and stuff like that and I I like that. I you know, we just don't know when he's going to be back. I fully expect him back for week 1 against the Chargers. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Bengals. If you're new to the podcast, Make sure you subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. We're the only daily Bengals podcast on the planet. So now that the season is almost here, this could be your number one source for all things Bengals. So subscribe, make sure you leave us a five-star review. And until next time, I'm James Erpine, And the immortal words of Jake Liscoe, Who Day? And have a good one.